what is art? Art is... Art is history. What is art? Hmm, that's a good question. This is Art Uncovered. Art is our art collective is cultural history. A weekly podcast that brings you interviews with an eclectic mix of artists and creators. Art is disappointing your parents. I'm your host, Kimberly. Hello all. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Kate Collier, a PhD candidate in studio art from the Byrne College of Art in Galway, Ireland. Throughout the conversation, we'll talk about the time Kate spent in the Arctic Circle Residency, which is a residency that takes place on a ship that sails around Svalbard. And Svalbard is an archipelago northeast of Greenland, super cool. We also talk about Kate's investigation into climate change right here in the United States. It's gonna be a great conversation, stay with us. Kate, welcome to Art Uncovered. It's so great to have you here. Um, listeners, it's kind of funny. Kate and I realized pretty recently that we actually both teach at the same university here in the Hudson Valley. Uh, unfortunately, our paths haven't crossed until now, uh, but I'm glad that they have. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, likewise. I'm, I'm glad that we, uh, we've crossed now. <laughs> so, Kate, um, I would like to start our conversation by talking about a residency that you participated in in the summer of 2016, and it is possibly the most unique residency I've ever heard of. Um, it's called the Arctic Circle Residency, and my understanding is that a majority of the residency was actually on board a ship in the Arctic. Uh, to be a little bit more specific, in Svalbard, which is an archipelago northeast of Greenland. Uh, so I guess to start, if you could just tell us a little bit about this residency and then maybe also tell us what the draw of this residency was for you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Arctic Circle Residency is also by far one of the most unique experiences I've had, uh, not only as an artist, but just kind of as a, a human being. Um, so it, it was uh, about uh, three weeks uh, in Svalbard, Norway. Uh, we sailed out of the city of Longyearbyen, and we were on the tall ship Antigua. And I guess the best way to describe that ship is uh, to kind of envision a pirate ship. And we uh, we sailed around that archipelago as a group of creatives, uh, not simply artists, but also we had. Uh, a singer-songwriter. We had playwrights and writers and poets. It's also open to educators and scientists as well. Mm. Um, so we had a really wide kind of breadth of people, which was really nice, but all kind of tethered together in a way that we we have interest in um, the Arctic and, and particularly within climate change as well. Um, and in sailing, which was uh, we tried to be under sail as much as possible. We visited m many locations around Svalbard uh, in its land, but also were able to sail above 81 degrees north, and we hit the edge of the uh, North Pole pack ice. And oh that my. was, yeah, it was the most breathtaking and uh, uh, shockingly touching moment I've ever experienced because we were in and on this ship and we anchored ourselves on this chunk of 
of sea ice and there's no other land in sight. And it was just an unbelievably overwhelming experience and certainly not one that uh, many people get to experience. And that is kind of what I want to relate in my, my work is this transition of an experience or a place that is perhaps difficult to see or, or to find, but is extremely important. Hmm. In what way was it important to you? Like, like, I guess I'm curious, um, because I feel like you explained it aesthetically, but like, how did it touch you on Mm -hmm. an emotional level, just being out there and seeing seemingly nothing? It was, it was, it was nothing and, and kind of everything at the same time, because it's a, it's a place of unbelievable change and almost a little bit of undoing. Um, we're losing that space and it's, it was wildly different when we got there compared to when we left. But also if I were to return to it now, it would look vastly different. Um, and so I think for me, in terms of what I was feeling, it was a bit of, of grief. Um, I was also experiencing some personal grief myself at the time, but um, to be there and standing there and and being just surrounded by ice that, especially now, given that it's been four years, doesn't exist is, is something that was really profound in the moment. But also now when I'm making work or I'm looking at the documentation that I have and remaking to, to realize that is, is something that's particularly powerful and what I want to uh, evoke in a way that others can understand. Hmm. And I'm assuming that the reason for the change um, to that landscape is due to climate change? Uh, very much so. And you said that you were on board the ship with other, um, other artists. Uh, I'm curious how they manifested their experience. Obviously, in a little bit, we'll talk about the art objects that, that you have been making, um, but just maybe mm-hmm. for a larger context of, of the experience of the residency. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I've we've had that kind of unbelievable experience together, not just at the Pack Ice, but the residency as a whole. And many of us within our group have stayed uh, very close to one another and have organized exhibitions that have uh, traveled to institutions that we're connected with. And many of us were educators, and to see how we all reinvented and and retold the same places but in very different ways uh is really intriguing because i think we all share similar wants for what our work is achieving mainly because we're we experienced a place that's so uh entrenched in climate change but the the little minuscule parts of those landscapes are um are what's really interesting in, in how we highlight them. Hmm. Uh, there were many photographers on the trip who documented the areas in very uh, poignant ways. Uh, I, as a printmaker, uh, expressed the landscape in the idea of multiples and uh, kind of breaking it down of the landscape. Uh, the, the poets and the musician focusing on, on loss and uh, 
almost maybe even a regeneration or a vitality within the landscape. So we mm. we all focused very differently, but but it are entangled so much that it makes for really beautiful exhibitions as as a group together. Oh, that's so wonderful. Is the um, for any artists out there who are listening to our conversation right now? Do you know if the residency is still? Is it still running? Because you mentioned you were there four years ago and some of the places that you went to may not actually be there um, anymore. So is it, does it still exist? It, it does. Um, it runs uh, twice a year. Obviously, this year um, it was not the case, but um, it runs a summer trip as well as a winter slash October trip. Um, and I do get communication with many people that are considering the residency or have been accepted and want to know more about the experience as coming from someone that has experienced it. Um, mm. And so it, what's nice about this residency as well is that the experience is always slightly different because depending on even the weather on a given day, they're traveling to different places. Uh, so some residencies will see areas that I didn't have a chance to witness and mm. Uh, likewise for myself, Mm -hmm. as well as the group of creatives being different. So that community on the ship, I think, drives a lot of the experience as well. Mm. So let's talk about the work that you that you did make there. So you briefly mentioned that you are a printmaker. Uh, So is that Mm -hmm. the medium of choice for your expression of the experience of being there? Yes, at a, at a foundational level. So as a, an artist, I work print into all of the, the works that I make, uh, but it manifests in, in different ways. I, I do make traditional editions, and I work with uh, many printmaking techniques, but I do work with a lot of different materials. And particularly for the proposal that I gave in applying to this residency was the use of glass and it's kind of direct visuals and connections to, to ice. That was the initial intent for what I was going to make. Um, and in knowing that I knew I wasn't going to be making a lot physically while I was there. It was a lot more of a, a recognizance mission, so to speak, mm-hmm. and kind of developing, um, work that I could then use to create the final pieces. Um, but they're still all inherently print-based, but it's kind of beyond the bounds of what you would consider a, a traditional print. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about the objects? Yes. Um, so when I was in the Arctic, I took a lot of uh, documentation and photographs. And when I, um, I also made some small hand-carved woodblocks and did actually print on the ship by hand. Um, And so I have some small additions that I made physically there. Um, But when I returned here, I made an abundance of work um, revolving around um, sculpture and interactive pieces. So I made a a very large piece that was reminiscent of the sails of the ship. There's a set of six large-scale frames that came off the wall and were connected to each other, so they moved in tandem. And on one side of the paper sail, so to speak, is uh, a panorama of the one of the glaciers we visited. And as 
a visitor uh, or an audience member moves the the sails, that all shifts together and breaks up that glacier. And then on the back side of the printed sails, it shows the wide open ocean in print form, both of those being photo silk screens. So mm. you get kind of the the very obvious breaking up of the glacier and a change from that solid state of ice into the ocean, but also it, it needs the manipulation or the direct hand of a human being to enact that change, which is a direct reference to our inevitable uh, addition and kind of rapid acceleration of climate change. Brilliant. And in, um, in glass, I've been making, um, carved replicas of the u-shaped valleys that glaciers leave as they recede and so i've carved a in a woodblock style a piece of of a log that then is cast and creates a plaster mold that i can then uh, adhere glass to to make replicas and multiples of that wood cut mold in in glass and i've i've used glass frit which is crushed glass and if fused at a very low temperature allows to the glass to remain slightly crystallized and it looks like fern and fern is the granular ice and kind of hardened snow that's on the surface of glaciers this is art uncovered we'll be right back thanks again for tuning in all As you may have noticed, this podcast may sound a little different than it did about a month ago, and that is because I moved this podcast into my own name so that I can grow it in a way that benefits my guests, the conversations, and the listeners. So a lot is going to stay the same. This will still be a weekly interview-based podcast highlighting the work and practice of emerging artists, but some things have changed with this move. The big difference is how our episodes will be presented. So our podcast now has its own URL, artuncoveredpodcast.com. There I'm able to organize, group, and archive conversations based on theme. So basically I'm going to be creating playlists based on a theme so that you can listen to a stream of conversations all related to a certain idea. Those ideas will range from specified media to a common conceptual idea such as climate change, race and identity, family, etc., So you'll also notice on our website in the upper right hand corner a donate button. Since I'm running this podcast now on my own without the backing of a company, any donation will be graciously accepted. It will help ensure the continuation of this podcast and it will also help fund special conversation episodes that will take the form of recorded panel discussions and live events. All that information and more is available on our website and also on our Instagram page at art underscore uncovered underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following. And now back to the episode. So Kate, I'm I'm curious what you're working on now. Are you still using reference material from your trips through Greenland? And you actually traveled in places other than Greenland. Uh, maybe now's a good point to mention just briefly some of the other locations you traveled to. Yeah, I, I do still use references from Greenland, even Svalbard um, as well, because that was kind of the 
the pinnacle of the beginning of my discussion on the Arctic, and I, I have so much reference material. Um, but I, I backpacked throughout um, southern Greenland as well as some kayak travel in Greenland. I spent some time in Iceland as well. Um, but kind of on the opposite side of that coin, I spent um, uh, a bit of, of time in 2018 in southern Spain in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I have also traveled pretty extensively in the um, in the Midwest here in, in the U.S. So I've, I've traveled a bit uh, throughout Utah and Nevada and uh, Eastern California in the kind of desert landscapes in all those areas, very arid. Um, and it may seem kind of completely opposite to what I've been experiencing and focusing on, but um, there are also places of um, intense change because of climate change. Um, uh, I would also characterize them as places of undoing, um, not so much from melt, but from erosion. And so mm-hmm. I think the discussion is very much the same, even if the, the visual, particularly in color palette, is, is very different. Can you tell me some of the stuff you're working on now? Yeah, um, I just recently uh, this summer completed a an artist residency for Edition Basel, which is a uh, printmaking residency in Switzerland. I wasn't able to be in Switzerland, but we were able to work remotely um, here in my home studio. And I was creating work that actually is the the synthesis of the Arctic landscapes and these desert arid landscapes that I've been working on. Um, my focus right now is, is still on creating sculptural works. And so one piece in particular that I worked on over the summer was called uh, Desire Pass. And so part of my recent research is on the, the my interest in wayfaring and walking through landscapes uh, and these pathways that we, we create. Um, and so Desire Pass is an imagery from my time in Joshua Tree National Park, and it's an arid landscape, and I've used the multiple really specifically in multiplying this this image and then cutting it up and literally making a pathway of prints that uh, stand up in small stands. Um, And the, the way that you look at this piece, it could be very much an Arctic landscape. It could be a desert landscape. Um, but I've also, I also want to kind of start to create work that, that really highlights that dissection and, um, and almost that uncomfortable disconnect that you can see when a, when an image doesn't quite line up or, uh, you know, it should look a certain way, but it doesn't quite, uh, meet what optically you think it should. And what was what is that a comment on? I feel like that's that's a conceptually rich um, aesthetic decision there. Yes, uh, I think for me the the kind of breaking apart and dissection comes from wanting to understand and to to know what we have to do to kind of resurrect our landscapes and to to keep ourselves safe within these landscapes is to break down these exceptionally large and complex issues 
And so I, it's a nod to that um, while also being uh, an acknowledgement that these landscapes are physically breaking apart. They are uh, washing away, they are melting, they are eroding and, and moving and shifting within even our scope of time. If we consider kind of the deep geologic time that uh, is the existence of our planet, uh, objects like rocks are very temporary and break apart and break down in our um, the physicist Carlo Rivelli considers rocks happenings or momentary getting togethers of sand. Um, oh, wow. And we don't see that in, in our kind of idea of a stone as something very concrete. Hmm. Um, but if you look at it from a different perspective, it's uh, broken apart very quickly. Uh, what I also have been working on recently is the integration of illumination in my prints. Um, mm. I've done that for a few years, but it's it's kind of surfaced in different ways in, in certain pieces. I've made glass work that has been illuminated from underneath based on um, some stands that I've, I've made through 3D printed media. Um, but most recently, I've created a series of really traditional additioned prints and they could live as a, a two-dimensional piece of, of paper and, and be complete and feel fulfilling. Uh, but I've also then taken those and through develop the creation of handmade frames, I've cut out sections of those prints and illuminated them from behind so that when that light is turned on, certain areas of those prints glow, but when the light is turned off, that area is not highlighted. Um, and I think that I, I found particularly interesting as a way to um, quite literally illuminate people and, and show them something that would have otherwise not been visible had I not, quote, you know, shown a light on it mm. or through it. Mm. I'm curious, in a... Uh, a one of the few correspondences that we had prior to this conversation, you mentioned a term that I, I actually wasn't familiar with, and it's called soft activism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you, can you, I guess, first define it for us and then uh, tell us why you're interested in it or how you are yourself participating in it? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a coined term, but myself um, and and a number of artists that, um, that two of which that I am working on a, a collaborative effort with uh, are, are really kind of toying with and trying to define what our work does, especially because we're focused on, on themes of our, our existence within our environment and climate change with myself in particular and I wouldn't consider my work very loud. Uh, it's actually quite the contrary. I think it's quite subtle and delicate. And and that's where this kind of thought of it being soft um, comes into play, where it's, it's not screaming at you that there's these problems and this is uh, a di as dire of a situation as it is. It's, I'm trying to highlight the, the beauty and the uniqueness um, perhaps almost even romanticizing it to a point and uh, but with the intent to enact positive change and so 
that I think is where this soft activist, um, what I would consider myself as a soft activist for those reasons. Uh, I just listened recently to a an artist talk where um, they also considered uh, their work kind of as a whispering activist for the same reasons. So are you saying that um, your activism or your soft activism is through the creation of your art objects or the share? Maybe a better way to phrase it is through your sharing of your art objects. Yeah, I would I would say that absolutely. Um, because in my making of them, it's it's a way for me to to execute on my needs to to make people aware and and what could I as an individual possibly do to help remove our trajectory in a way that would would help our environment and my artwork is is my means of doing that. It's what I um, feel is my most successful way to motivate. Mm. Well, Kate, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Um, I'm truly grateful for just this conversation, but also the work that you that you shared with us. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. All right, listeners, that's all for this week. Make sure to tune in next week as I'll be speaking with Brianna Harlan, a multidisciplinary artist who works conceptually in multi-form, socially, and self-engaged art. We'll talk about some of her specific projects, including Black Love Blooms, Black Girl Telephone, and Creative in the Gray. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.